Well, the Supreme Court returns today after a four-week break with a new round of arguments and 32-page list of orders, and they can be characterized as denied, denied, denied. Our co-host and Supreme Court reporter for Bloomberg News, Greg Storr, was there to read the list and now is here to tell us about it. Greg, let's discuss some of the more prominent denials, one involving banks and banks from Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, and Wells Fargo. Tell us about that. Hi, June. Yeah, the uh, court, as you said, um, denied a lot of cases. I counted about 550. I didn't, didn't. Uh, I, I sort of estimated here. And yes, uh, one of the big cases they they decided not to hear was an appeal by a group of banks. And the issue there is that the FDIC had sued them in in its capacity as the receiver of a failed Alabama bank, and it was claiming that they had issued or underwritten uh, mortgage back mortgage backed securities. Um, uh, that turned out to be not, not worth what, what uh, people had thought. So the issue was whether um, uh, th- there's, there's a statute of limitations or a statute of repose, actually, uh, in federal law. And the question was whether uh, when, when Congress bailed out the SNL industry back in the late 1980s, whether Congress uh, over, overrode that and gave the FDIC more time to sue. The lower court said yes, more time to sue. Supreme Court refused to consider that ruling. And the banks say uh, this is an issue that affects about a dozen pending lawsuits and potentially more than $30 billion in, in similar claims. So it is a very significant uh, denial of this, this petition. So, Greg, what, what happens now? These cases just all proceed and the banks are facing more liability than they would have otherwise and to, that, to the tune of billions of dollars? Yeah, that, 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 that's right, Michael. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, this is not really a change in the law in the sense that, that the lower courts had uniformly said that federal agencies like the FDIC do have more time to sue here. So it doesn't change things, but at least uh, it's a missed opportunity for the banks to uh, limit what, what their liability might be. Greg, there was also a case where the Supreme Court said it won't revive a sex trafficking suit against Backpage. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Backpage is this this uh, service that's similar to Craigslist, except that it's best known for sex ads. And uh, the CEO has even faced criminal charges, uh, which have since been thrown out, out in California. So Backpage was being sued by three women who say they were victims of sex trafficking that when they were minors, they blame Backpage for setting up this, this uh, site that is designed to facilitate sex trafficking. The lower court, a federal appeals court, said there's a law called the Communications Decency Act that gives uh, Internet service providers broad immunity from this type of, of lawsuit um, if all they're really doing is being passive uh, entities and third parties are the ones that are uh, uh, doing the allegedly illegal conduct. And, and the First Circuit said uh, this is actually a very broad law. Um, it protects Backpage in this situation, and, and that it's not enough if Backpage allegedly tailored its business model to make sex, sex trafficking easier. Even if it did that, it can't be sued. Well, this is a subject that's come up on a in a number of different jurisdictions. A lot of people are suing now on this kind of thing where somebody's publishing something on the internet and the internet service provider is saying, hey, I'm not the publisher. I just put it up and you can't sue me. Um, and they also, they mostly seem to be winning. So this is kind of, seems kind of consistent with, with that approach. But is this, the, is this, this isn't really a free speech issue at this point, right? We're just talking about whether Congress ought to do something to address this issue and 
put some responsibility on the service providers. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Michael. This is a statutory question. The First Amendment, Amendment is there in the background. Uh, there are certainly speech, speech issues that, that could come up, but in terms of, uh, of what this case was about, and generally, as I understand it, what the, the legal debate has been in the courts uh, is much more focused on what Congress has done and, as you said, what Congress could do in the future. So, Greg, you have a list of cases that you follow and the ones that are most important to our listeners and to the law. Now, so what cases are coming up that we expect the Supreme Court to say, I'll take the case or I won't take the case? Yeah, so, June, there were several cases that the court could have acted on today, uh, but, but didn't. And, and what that means is that uh, it, it makes it slightly more likely or somewhat more likely, likely that they will agree to hear these cases, so they're worth talking about. Uh, one has to do with employee class action waivers. In other words, you're an employee, your employer says to work here, you have to agree not to press a class action suit. You have to take any claims against us to arbitration as an individual by yourself. Um, And some federal appeals courts have said uh, those provisions are not, those agreements are not binding because uh, the National Labor Relations Act gives workers a right to press at least wage and hour claims as a group. Other federal appeals courts disagree with that and, and say that the, the arbitration agreements uh, have to be enforced by their terms. Uh, the Supreme Court probably will agree to, to take up an appeal there. There's a bit of a wild card uh, here in that uh, some of these cases come out, or at least one of these cases comes out of the National Labor Relations Board, which right now has a majority of Democratic appointees. Uh, when Donald Trump uh, becomes president, he'll have the right to, to appoint two people to fill, fill vacancies. So that body will become Republican-dominated. It may change its stance, and it may change the, the, the status of the case. But one way or another, this is an issue the court will be getting involved in, I would suspect, quite soon. Well, now that the court is back uh, after this uh, four weeks, the court will be hearing argument in some, in some major cases, and there's a big credit card case coming up, isn't there? Can you preview that for us, Greg? Yeah, that's, that's an argument that, that uh, the court's going to hear tomorrow. It has to do with a New York law, and, and it's one of 10 states with laws like this, that says um, if you're a retailer and you want to charge different prices for credit card transactions and cash transactions, in other words, charge more for credit card transactions, uh, you can't uh, do it as a surcharge. You can't say my price is, is $10 for this item, but uh, if you you know pay, pay with a credit card, it's going to cost $10.50. Uh, the merchant a group of merchants say that is a free speech violation. We have a right to portray these things as surcharges because actually what they are is charges to, uh, to, to to compensate us for what we're having to pay the credit card companies. And so the question is whether this is this is free speech and therefore protected by the First Amendment or conduct and therefore uh, w- w- with limited protection and therefore the, the New York law as well as laws in California and Texas and Florida uh, are probably constitutional. That, a very interesting argument, and we will be talking about that with you tomorrow on the show after you uh, attend that uh, oral arguments in that case. Thanks so much, Greg, for telling us what's happening at the Supreme Court. 